Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, we got a number of things to talk about. But mostly, or at least to a great extent, it's going to be the Trump-Kim thing. It's a big deal. It's it's a big deal. I mean, it's a it's a world story. No doubt about it. Hey, have you seen the ads for the new movie Tag? Do you know what that's about? Yes. Yes, I have seen that. Based, based on a true story. Based on a true story of yes. some guys in high school or college or whenever that started a game of Tag. I think as lads, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And have continued it into adulthood even as they live in different towns. And right. like, they'll show up in that town and, and tag them and run off. <laughs> And, and there's now one you're, guy who's never been tagged. And now you're it for like the next two years until yeah. the next school reunion or something. That's <laughs> hilarious. Anyway, I'm looking for just, you know, I don't know, something other than this to occupy my mind for a second. Now back to it. <laughs> President Trump and Chairman Kim Jong-un conducted a... This is from the official statement. All right. Conducted a comprehensive, in-depth, and sincere exchange of opinions on the issues related to the establishment of new U.S. DPRK relations and the building of a lasting and robust peace regime on the Korean Peninsula. 
President Trump committed to provide security guarantees to the DPRK, and Chairman Kim Jong-un reaffirmed his firm and unwavering commitment to complete denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. And as we How all we know, get there, we don't know. And as but we we're all gonna know, try. signed us. Trump didn't commit to S. And and Kim didn't confirm D. I mean, because mm. you can change your mind at any point. That's Frank just diplomatic way, talk that's there. That's just the way this stuff works. So, yeah, sure. Whatever. Yeah, there were a couple of gestures of goodwill, and everybody on the cable's going crazy to try to pronounce it one way or uh, another to coverage, keep you excited and listening. The coverage is killing me on both sides. Oh, yeah. Because the conservative media is given a past to stuff Trump has done that they killed Obama for, and, and maybe shouldn't have killed Obama for, or maybe should have, but either way, it's the same exact thing. Sure. And they killed Obama for it, giving Trump a pass. The opposite true with the liberal media, which is most of the media, that they're really hammering Trump for, like, not bringing up human rights and all these different things when Obama did with the Iranian deal. So He's naive just, and cynical. He's given too much. He hasn't offered anything. It's, it's, just, it's, just, it's just so frustrating that they, they flip scripts like that sure. when it suits them. But, um, so right off the bat, when they had the press conference, I thought, what is this going to be like? And um, I'm surprised there was a press conference. Yeah, because press conferences, you never know what's going to happen. Trump doesn't care, though. Orange hair don't care Mm. about he likes it when, you know, he's juggling six balls in the air and nobody knows what's going to happen. And we talked to uh, Stephen. What's his last name? We we talked to yesterday. He said, yeah, Trump's feeling very chatty last week or so. That's his weird comfort zone. Mm -hmm. He's just one of those people that chaos makes him feel comfortable. Hmm. Just odd. Anyway. So right off the bat, they got in some of the questions that I find it hard to believe they would have asked Obama in the same situation. But this is NBC with a two-part question. I thought both parts of it really interesting. NBC. Thanks, Mr. President. Two questions for you, if you don't mind. First, the man you met today, Kim Jong-un, as you know, has killed family members, has starved his own people, is responsible for the death of Otto Warmbier. Can we pause Why it right there? So, so r- right off the bat, you're going to tell me if Obama was standing up with some world leader trying to put together some great save the world deal, that they would have hit him with that standing right next to the guy. Not a freaking chance. Probably not. M- and it's, I'm sorry, NBC. No, probably not. I don't know. Jack, I'm trying to be above all that. I'm trying to be a statesman. I'm wearing a suit um, with shorts. Uh, sh- <laughs> what are, what's the uh, visual here? Is Fathead standing by as Trump takes yeah. this question? Yeah, they're both okay. standing oh, up on stage. Oh, that's a little uncomfortable. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah. I'd say. That's all right. They agreed to do a press conference. Let it roll. Why are you so comfortable calling him very talented? Well, he is very talented. Anybody that takes over a situation like he did at 26 years of age and is able to run it and run it tough. I don't say he was nice or I don't say anything about it. He ran it. Very few people at that age. You can take one out of 10,000 probably couldn't do it. Otto Warmbier. So stop right there as we, before we get into Otto. That stuff I just saw was amazing. Yeah. And- I mean, he, he was tough, but you know, you gotta be tough. Yes, he machine gunned his uncle. He, no, he fed his uncle to dogs and machine gunned other people's family members. Listen, the uncle had to die. The dog was hungry. It's just simple math, all right? He's a problem solver. Tough guy. Not one in 10,000 could do that. I think he's uh, tough. Uh, <laughs> he's strong. Uh, maybe too strong. Yeah. But but listen, uh, that's why I'm so amazed there's a press conference. The the history of the world is full of and frequently uh, uh, cited as great moments, full of cutting deals with loathsome regimes. 
And part of that is you kind of turn a blind eye to some of the loathsome stuff. Well, right. But, but to have a press conference at the very early stages of that strikes me as a hell of a gamble because you'll get questions like this. You could I don't have, think the question's illegitimate, by the way. You could have... Uh... Boy, I don't like it. I don't. I don't like it there in that context. I because you could have asked those questions of every president since FDR about all kinds of Middle Middle Eastern leaders. Every one of them. Every one of them. Yes. Same questions. Sure. Same lifestyle, and we were allies with those people. I don't know. I just see, it seems like you got to grow up. Yeah, well, I value the free press, obviously. Um, like I say, I think the uh, you're going to get chaos if you hold a press conference. Yeah, maybe at that's this point. The, maybe that's the mistake. You yeah. shouldn't have a press conference. I hear, yeah, so Otto, in case you don't remember, he was um, uh, he's American. Was he? He was a college student, I believe, who was on some sort of educational trip and saw a wacky propaganda poster, allegedly that he thought would be a cool souvenir, and he grabbed it, allegedly, because the North Koreans will just snatch up Americans to have hostages. So his alleged crimes, who knows? And they, they beat him so bad in prison that when they finally released him, he died shortly after he got home. Right. So yeah. they beat an American to death. That's who they're asking about here. Otto Warmbier is a very special person, and he will be for a long time in my life. His parents are good friends of mine. I think without Otto... This would not have happened. Something happened from that day. It was a terrible thing. It was brutal. But a lot of people started to focus on what was going on, including North Korea. I really think that Otto is someone who did not die in vain. I told this to his parents. Special young man, and and I have to say, special parents, special People, Otto did not die in vain. He had a lot to do with us being here today. Okay, thank you very much. Is that you know, an interesting way to approach that? Yeah, I I don't know that there could have been a better answer to well, that. No, 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 yeah, I think that's the best you can do with that yeah. situation. But you're standing on stage next to a guy who's responsible for torturing a U.S. citizen to death yeah. and trying to make lemonade out of that. Yeah, and say, you know, it ended up being a good thing, and you know, in retrospect, it brought us together, and here we are. And isn't that, right. wow, what a weird dynamic that is. Well, Trump frequently can't state the simplest thing with any elegance. I thought he threaded that needle pretty beautifully. I'm going to assume for now that that Kim knew what was happening with Otto and that it wasn't some colonel who went too far and 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 they cracked his head when they didn't mean to or something like that. I'm going to assume it was every bit as Why evil. Wouldn't you? As 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 it seems to be. I get what Trump is saying though. It brought us to the brink of real real ugliness. And both sides said, uh, we probably ought to f- talk about this before we go to the next step, because the next step, you know, could be horrific. So, so I get what he's saying, and there's truth to it. On the other hand, if you were to ask old Otto about it, Otto would probably say, well, maybe you could have gotten there without me. Without killing me. Yeah, so the, uh, Trump took an impossible question and handled it pretty well. So maybe, in the, my mis- opinion. So maybe the mistake there is don't take, you know, don't take questions. FDR didn't stand up next to Stalin. Anybody got any questions? Yeah, about the gulags, Mr. President, and Jews especially. I mean, from the Nazi Holocaust to the the Jews, the, the pogroms in the Soviet Union, what about that? Well, we have, the only thing we have to fear is Hitler. Um, Three years ago, you starved uh, four million people, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Maybe right. that's the the mistake. You don't you don't do the press conference with the evil dictator when you're. I'm really surprised they did. I'm shocked they did. Oh, well, I know. 
look you at put those. out a joint statement full of uh, diplomatic speak, then maybe you have Pompeo and their foreign minister come out and, and mumble some generalities about working forward, working together going forward. But, yeah, press conference was a hell of a gamble. I think I get why he's doing both, but I understand the criticism of he says mean things tr- to Trudeau, the leader of freaking Canada. He yeah. says mean things to he says nothing but nice things to the murderous dictator. And he's done the same with Merkel versus Putin, for yeah. instance. Yeah. But, you know, in, in individual instances, you can understand why. Yeah, I, I get how it's an interesting contrast, but either the cable news uh, heads of the world are completely lacking in insight, or they're just trying to whip things up for ratings, and I suspect it's it's both. But listen, if you are at loggerheads with somebody, I mean, things are really bad between you. And you're thinking it'd be better for everybody if we could work together. Well, yeah, you offer a little honey. You say, you know, there are a lot of admirable traits there. I realize our relationship is uncomfortable, but we could work together. Meanwhile, you got a good friend who you have a disagreement with. You say, dude, you're effing me. I get that. The relationships are in such wildly different places. You use wildly different strategies. I'm still completely mystified by what Trump is saying about Canada. It just doesn't make any sense. But, (laughs) yeah, that contrast is not as mystifying as people make it out to be. It's just completely different relationships. Well, I'd say. um, An old boy band Trudeau will be fine. We got some more clips uh, throughout the show of Trump and Kim and what was going on there. but I don't think boy bands ever ever been in a fist fight. You might have been in a slap fight or some sort of thong snapping uh, problem. What, uh, was, you know. what, was, what was Kim thinking as Trump was getting and answering those questions? He was, was probably thinking, holy S. Did he think, ruh-roh, because, you know, free press is new to him. Oh, yeah, he's thinking, they get to say that to their leader? What the hell? Why have him shot? Have him fed to the dog. You can't do that? You can't have that woman fed to the dogs for asking me that question? Mr. President, when are you going to execute her? Oh, no, <laughs> she gets to. Her and her entire family. Right. And the next couple of generations in the gulag. How wild is the whole dynamic? Our text line, 415-295-KFTC, 415-295-KFTC. The sorry saga of Dennis Rodman, among other things, coming up. Let's say it's a heroic saga. It's it's a life affirming and inspirational saga. Mm. The great. I got, I got it. Let me let me do this. Willie, Willie. That man, that crazy man, will be hailed as a hero by future generations. <laughs> You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the of, of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. 70 texted, in effect, Trump said to Kim, if you like your dictatorship, you can keep your dictatorship. (laughs) Which is pretty funny. That is a good shot, my friend. Well played. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, I've read the entire uh, agreement. Can we have a link if people want to read it? I mean, I could read it in three minutes, but... That's interesting. uh, You think it has any meaning? Well, uh, other than that, they just, you know, they're willing to the two of them were willing to sign something. And yeah, it, it has a great deal of meaning. Okay. It means they were willing to sign something. Yeah, I just yeah. I didn't figure the verbiage means much at all. Well, it, it, the, the verbiage is interesting. If you don't know what the verbiage is, mm-hmm. the verbiage is, hey, we've agreed to work together. We want to denuke the uh, the Korean peninsula. 
We have a new relationship, a new path forward. Everything's hunky-dory. Let's see what we can do. Pompeo's going to get with their guy, and we're going to see what happens. That's what the the, the statement says. It's extremely light on specifics, which was almost certainly the inevitable. A number of textures pointing out Trump has talked pretty tough on North Korea. He did that during the entire campaign. He talked about auto like every press conference. Right. And how we shouldn't put up with that and all that sort of thing. Yeah. But so go on. You know, there there are days that I wish we took phone calls still that generally last until we take a phone call that I'm reminded why we don't. Uh, So what I would say to you. Uh, and you're right. You're absolutely right. I concede the point. But now what? So he should stand up there and dress down fathead at the press conference or refuse so, to go further till he apologizes or what? There are incredible stakes at stake here. Good sentence, Joe. And as I made it clear before, making deals with loathsome dictators, that's what you do in international relations. It's unfortunate, but it's true. So apparently I was wrong about this. This does change the dynamic. I was listening to it. So I was watching the videos, and then I was listening to the press conference. This texter says... Um, Fathead was not there. It was just Trump at the press conference. Right. Because uh, okay. what is a uh, hermit totalitarian dictator going to do at a press conference? Certainly not take questions. So, right. yeah, then he'd oh, did, yeah. just been standing there twirling his thumbs saying this was interesting. So, okay, that's good to know. Eating his ice cream or whatever it is he does. Oh, man. Guy has a metabolism issue, all right? <laughs> well, if he's that fat at age 26, what's he going to be like when he's old? Well, he's 32 now, isn't he, or? 30 or something? But he started fat. When he first showed up on the scene. It's a good point. He's going to be a very large man. He might be, unless he gets on the fitness train. Huh? I was going to say Trump could uh, maybe promise him some American exercise equipment, but it doesn't look to me like Trump's an expert on that either. (laughs) Boy, in 2010, Panera's experiment with pay-what-you-want dining was certainly hailed by the progressive media with with great love and joy. I kind of remember this a little. What what was the deal? Well, they first opened a cafe in St. Louis, then many others. Customers could pay what they wanted for items on the menu or not pay at all. Isn't that beautiful? Well, what was the theory behind that? Ron Sage, Panera's founder and CEO at the time, had volunteered at food banks and wanted to offer a better experience for people who were struggling to eat. The oh, new see. nonprofit restaurant called Panera Cares was designed to, I wish we had like a little sound you could play behind me every time I say Panera Cares. It should be the sound of a unicorn sneezing. Right, or farting. Uh, was designed I don't to, say that word. Well, I do, because these are tough times. It's time for straight talk. <laughs> uh, the new nonprofit restaurant called Panera Cares. Could, do we have just like a little bit of Chad's theme, Michael? Or uh, That would be good. Just yeah, a couple that of seconds of Chad's theme yeah. would be perfect. Yeah. Uh, I wish I'd thought of this in rehearsal. We go through the entire show mm-hmm. from uh, 2 a.m. on. From 2 to 6, we do the whole show, and do then the we redo entire, it live exactly. from 6 to 10. Yeah. Are you ready? The new nonprofit restaurant called Panera Cares. Then you cut it. <laughs> was designed to sustain itself by nudging middle-class consumers to pay a little extra for their meals. To cover the people that don't have money. In many ways, this whole experiment is ultimately a test of humanity. That's why we called it Panera Cares. Oh, cut it. <laughs> Would people pay for it? Would people come in and value it? 
I give you one guess. In January of 18, the St. Louis location closed. The location in Dearborn, Michigan uh, closed in 2016. Locations in Portland, Oregon, and Chicago also failed. Only one cafe in Boston is left. Though the concept was designed to be self-sustaining, the restaurants operated at a loss well, what, every week of their existence. What would you have done? I would have paid whatever it cost. I would have paid for it. I'd have been fine with it. Yeah, I'm not going to rip them off. But I wouldn't have given them extra, though. A recent paper looks at why the cafes didn't work. <laughs> Human nature is why. Panera was a multi-million dollar company, and Shach, that's the uh, big guy, owned uh, Bubba. Yet it was clear for us that he was so unaware of how consumers think and act and feel in the marketplace, in his marketplace in particular, that's why he missed the market. Panera cares. Said a marketing professor at Bentley University, blah, blah, blah. Well, do I, do I understand it correctly? So it was the idea that, like, I got a job, I'm doing okay. I would go in and pay $5 for a $2 croissant. Yes. And then the next person who's down on their luck, just because of circumstances in Trump's America, right. would be able to get that croissant for 50 cents. And when they're back on their feet, they would start paying more. Exactly. That was the theory. That would be self-sustaining. In Yelp reviews of the cafes. And V.I. Lennon turned out to be wrong? Yeah. <clears throat> they should have called it Karl Marx Cares, huh? <laughs> in Yelp reviews of the cafes, researchers saw that many consumers didn't want to eat next to homeless people. What? And complained about the atmosphere. No way. People who were food insecure also didn't like it. I'm afraid my food is talking at me. Talking about me. I blew the punchline. That, that's psychotic. That's not food insecure. <laughs> I'm food insecure. I think my food's talking that about whole, me. That most people don't want to eat sitting next to a homeless person is so true, yet you're not supposed to say it out loud, or you're supposed to pretend that's not the case. Please. Or you're judging people based on how they look and smell. Are you dry shaving me? Of course. Though the cafes were intended to provide dignity, people could pay as little as they could afford and weren't supposed to be questioned about it or made to feel like lesser customers. It didn't work that way in practice. The company asked customers to limit themselves to one discounted meal a week or to volunteer for an hour at the cafe to make up for a free meal. We're not designed to be a permanent solution for those facing food insecurity, the company wrote. Blah, blah, blah. One reviewer wrote it, I took my mother into Panera Cares today because she just moved into town. Nah, we don't have time for it. It was sucky. That's the long and short. More on this to come, but Marshall has to tell us what's coming up in the news. President Trump presents Kim Jong-un with real estate possibilities, and we have more of Dennis Rodman's North Korea wit and wisdom. Speaking of homeless, we need to learn about gutter punks, crusties, crusty punks, known by many names. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. think of any of this i think the coverage of it is awful that's what i'd say yes first of all more on the incredible naivety and stupidity of the panera cares concept <clears throat> but back to the uh the kim trump summit it strikes me that a lot of it is like childish and simplistic the uh, the coverage wait are we friends or are we enemies was water uh, auto warm beer beaten to death or, or did we forgive them? No, they're all true. It's, it's, it's a rough business. It's a nasty business, international relations. We've been friends with Middle Eastern dictators for decades. Oh, they do ask you don't want to hear about it. I know not everybody was cool with that, but mostly we were cool with that. Obviously, Democrats and Republicans kept it going for decades and decades, and they're every bit as bad as Kim. Right. <clears throat> and every time we, we try like a purely moralistic foreign policy, it doesn't work. 
It just, it doesn't. If you only count nice people among your friends, you don't have enough friends. In, in a brutal world where everybody's trying to gain advantage. That's, that's, that, that's the tough, tough reality. Can you deal with it or can't you? If you weren't wearing... I'm just sh- trying to eat my cereal and listen to morning radio. Why are you yelling at me? If you weren't wearing a shorts suit, I could uh, <laughs> take it more seriously. You think it undermines my gravitas? Yes, it definitely does. Oh, boy. Uh, let's well, get the I news. lost the basketball bet, so I got to dress like LeBron for two days. <laughs> <laughs> let's get the news now with Marshall Phillips. The joint declaration coming out of the Singapore summit has the U.S. committing to providing security guarantees to the North, with North Korea reaffirming the firm commitment to complete denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. Now, during his presser after the signing, President Trump gave some insight into his pitch to Kim, saying that he showed the North Korean leader a video describing possible economic advances for the country and suggested they use North Korean beaches to their advantage. It's going to be up to the people what they want. They may not want that. I can understand that, too. But that was a version of what could happen, what could take place. As an example, they have great beaches. You see that whenever they're exploding their cannons into the ocean, right? I said, boy, look at that. Wouldn't that make a great condo behind... And I explained, I said, you know, instead of doing that, you could have the best hotels in the world right there. Think of it from a real estate perspective. You have South Korea, you have China, and they own the land in the middle. How bad is that, right? It's great. (laughs) You know, that is so crazy and so weird and so different, but charming to me. That's not a bad way to approach it. That's just a very informal way of saying what diplomats would uh, phrase as... You know, with uh, some form of economic opening, we could uh, help you introduce a carefully controlled infusion of free market economics and blah, blah, blah. That's what it would mean. It would mean the same thing. You could open up a few hotels, see how it goes, have a tourist district, probably with different rules than in the hinterland where you beat people for, you know, not cheering loud enough for you. Um, on the other hand, old fathead, man, if he thinks he can make that transition from complete iron-fisted, torturing dictator to, listen, you all just behave and we'll all be cool style of dictatorship. All right. All right. Man, that's a lot harder than it sounds. But we shall see. As Jack pointed out, there are generations of people who would cut him into a thousand pieces and urinate on each one for the, the horrors that have been perpetrated on their families by the Kim regime through the generations. It's not easy. The document that Trump and Kim signed is being criticized for being very short on details, prompting... Oh, only an idiot would say that. Honest to God, you'd have to be such a high brand of idiot to say that and mean that. One of the world's great idiots. What the hell? Right, we're not at that point yet. Prompting one reporter to ask... How do you ensure that North Korea is not... All talk, no action. Well, I think, can you ensure anything? Can I ensure that you're going to be able to sit down properly when you sit down? I mean, you can't ensure anything. All I can say is they want to make a deal. That's what I do. My whole life has been deals. I've done great at it. And that's what I do. And I know when somebody wants to deal, and I know when somebody doesn't. A lot of politicians don't. That's not their thing. But it is my thing. Uh, you know, I, that's a perfectly legitimate question, because the question is about the answer. You know, it's like some people say, oh, oh, oh. it's stupid to ask a, a basketball player, how'd you feel losing game four? But they they don't want to say, I'm sure LeBron James felt really bad in their story. They need to say, LeBron James said he's devastated and not sure he can ever play basketball again. Journalists don't want their own words, they want your words. 
But at the same time, there's no good answer for that question. That's that's the whole. How are we going to ensure they uh, cooperate and, and the deal right. holds together? Well, that, that's what the deal is. I mean, that's that's like, well, that's that's what we're going to do. How are you going to ensure the marriage stays together? Right. Well, you, you can't. Great example. You hope that we both stay interested in it. By doing everything you got to do to keep it together. And I can only control one end of it, so. How are you, how are you going to make sure they hold to the deal? By making sure they hold to the deal. That's kind of what the deal is going to be. So. Also in Singapore, former NBA star Dennis Rodman, who has visited North Korea a number of times. Dennis offering up his insight into what was unfolding, starting with Kim's late-night walk around the city. He was taking selfies. And I don't don't know too many dictators take selfies in in Singapore and and smiling. And I think that's that's a good indicator that uh, he's willing to try. Ah, It's the same thing I said. I think that maybe the the little fathead has turned the corner. He's definitely cut from a different cloth, and a lot of it. <laughs> anyway, um, but to what extent, we don't know. If you allow yourself to get optimistic for just a second, this is really, really exciting. But then realism reels you back in. You Come on, the North Korean playbook, we all know what it is. Pop superstar Ariana Grande and Saturday Night Live cast member Pete Davidson are engaged. Really? Haven't they been together for like three weeks? About that, like a month, yeah. 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 Okay, and he's mentally ill, so she's really young, he's mentally ill, they've been together for three weeks, and they're getting engaged. Isn't she a donut licker? I predict (laughs) this lasts forever, based on what I just said. Yeah, they're both 24 years old, so they are decided after three weeks of dating, let's get married. She licked a donut and disparaged America, as I recall. I wish nothing but unhappiness on them. Well, a couple of show business 24-year-olds, one of which is severely (laughs) mentally ill, decide to get married after three weeks. I mean, could you even get a bet on that lasting for even five years? Uh-uh. No. no, you couldn't get any action on that. Eh, who knows, Jack? Who knows? Everyone knows. My, it's not going to last five years. My friends were astounded when I announced I got engaged. They were they thought it was a terrible mistake. After three weeks of dating and you severely <laughs> mentally ill? <laughs> and you were both in show business, so traveling around the world. Nah, I'm done talking now. There you go. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. That's the screech of freedom right there, Marshall. Squawky the Eagle. If he was a wheat farmer and she was his, you know, high school girlfriend, I would be perfectly, I wouldn't think, I would think it'd be fine. That's not their situation. Mm. Wow. I don't know why you're rooting against those two crazy kids. I've known a lot of wheat farmers that run around on their ladies. He just dumped Larry David's daughter. Yes. A month ago. Yeah. Wow. That's a pretty fast bounce back. I didn't know he was with Larry David's daughter, so I'm obviously way out of my depth here, (laughs) Donnie. More on Panera Cares, their experiment in conscious capitalism. And that kind of fits in a little, or though not really, but it doesn't matter. It's an excuse to talk about, um, and we've all come across this, the voluntarily vagrant. Homeless youth that are homeless because they think it'd be kind of cool. Crusty Urbans, they're known as, among other things. We need more programs for them. Uh, <laughs> they need higher we need. taxes to support them. We need to tax Amazon to support them. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation.
That's right, Dennis Rodman arrived in Singapore today for the summit with Kim Jong-un, so at least if Kim launches a nuclear missile, Rodman will be there to grab the rebound. That's right, Dennis Rodman will be there. The Dennis Rodman will be there. That one, not a different one. Dennis Rodman from the State Department? No. The one you're thinking about. <laughs> Dennis Rodman will be there for President Trump's summit with Kim Jong-un. See all the action unfold on this week's The Apprentice Doomsday. All right, now that's a funny joke. It is hard to wrap your head around, but that's, that's all true. And Dennis had an emotional breakdown, which Marshall will have in his news at 8.30 oh, if you didn't poor, hear it. Poor kid. Uh, he is the one human being on Earth who's friends with both of them. Yeah. Kim and Trump. True. So it's not that strange at but, all. But he's Dennis is. <laughs> but you see my point. People are really enjoying my short suit, by the way, Sean. Mm. Speaking of basketball players. <laughs> Beyond me? Because I am delighted oh by it. Oh, my God. I just ran into a saleswoman in the lunchroom. She busted a gut. Everybody does the same. They look at me. They say, wow, you're looking sharp today. Then they glance down and start laughing. <laughs> and then they see the exposed <laughs> knees. Right, exactly. And the knee socks. <laughs> anyway, so finishing up our discussion of Panera Cares, which was an effort at Jack Conscious Capitalism. Mm-hmm. It's a philosophy that some leaders subscribe to, saying that consumers will do good if given the opportunity, but it's just never the reality. So you you go into the counter, and they say the suggested price, you don't have enough. And to quote a review, the cashier watched her and said, we can do a discount once, but if you come back this week, you'll have to pay full price. We only do a discount once a week. This was said with others behind us and very loudly. It's not posted anywhere in the store. My mother stood mortified and near tears as we walked away and waited. And then they said the reality of this, the the Panera, where you just pay what you think you can afford, which the moment it was announced, we explained precisely what would happen. And it took them five or six years to recognize that the obvious was true. But that is that is a lot of progressive uh, philosophy. Your 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 philosophy overcomes your logic, but or your observations of life. Um I do think there are consumers out there that want to pro, that want to act pro socially, and there are consumers who don't, and that most retailers are going to have to learn to cater to both of them. Um, oh, I'm sorry, that was the wrong paragraph. Uh, at the door, greeters explained the nonprofit concept. Some consumers said they felt pressured into making donations. Others admit that they used the restaurant to underpay, even though they could afford more. I wouldn't do that, but I'm not overpaying. No, no. Um, because I believe in capitalism. I believe that capitalism is the best thing that ever happened to mankind. The problem with it, and I've done a lot of reading about it in the last several days because I've been reading Jonah Goldberg's <clears throat> new book, um, whatever it is, Suicide of the West or Death of the West or whatever the hell it is. But anyway, he talks about capitalism. He said the biggest problem with capitalism is it is the best thing that's ever happened to humans, but it doesn't look like it. It mm-hmm. doesn't feel like it. It feels mean. It looks mean. Right. But the overarching benefits are undeniable. Best thing that's ever happened to human beings. Including poor human beings. Yes. It, but it, not only has it elevated the, the, the standard of living of billions of people around the world in a way that, that no other political or economical theory ever could, but it's, the, it's responsible for all of the charity around the world. Profit equals charity. But it's just, it's just got bad PR. It's be, right. It looks bad because there are losers. And you see the losers, and so you think, wow, this system can't be good. Right. But that's ignoring the reality of it. That there's no better system. Well, right. It reminds me of, um, you know, the, the description of democracy by Churchill. It's the worst system ever devised, except for every one that's ever been devised. Um, and that's paraphrasing badly, but uh, likewise, the free market. 
It's clearly the best system ever devised. And if you want to look out for the downtrodden and the unfortunate, I think that's fabulous. I think you ought to do that. But taking somebody else's money at the point of a gun is not generosity. It's the opposite of it. Just to make you feel good. So I believe, uh, didn't you mention this the other day? You were in Santa Cruz and you came across some of the um, gutter punks, crusty punks, crusties, crumb bums, dirty kids that are popular in America right now. And uh, I've, I've, I've sort of assumed this was the case, but here's an article actually stating it is true. From Berkeley to Brooklyn and most every large city in between, they become an almost inescapable part of urban life. It's the the young people who've decided to reject the traditional nine to five lifestyle in favor of voluntary homelessness. Yeah, Portland's lousy with them, right? And, and they're lousy with louses and with lice. Uh, and uh, the town I live in, I regularly see people standing on the corner by the interstate with their thumbs out and a sign, wanting to hitch a ride somewhere. And you can just tell by looking at them. I can, I can tell your dad's an accountant and your mom's an orthodontist just yeah. by looking at you. Oh yeah. <laughs> You I mean, just bought that tie-dye shirt last week. <laughs> right, exactly. The Trustafarian on the, the median of the street yesterday, I was going from home from work, he was exactly what you're talking about. Guy was hitting me up for change through the window. Can you help? No. Yeah, well, yeah, but no. So you got to add... <laughs> tweets out about what a jerk you were. Yeah, no kidding. So you got to add, because they have a smartphone, you got to add this to the list of what is the homeless p- problem. you got the people who physically and mentally can't work. Sure. I don't know if that's 5% or 75%, and neither do you. Then you've got uh, people who are uh, alcoholics or drug addicted. You got people who have had bad breaks, bad financial planning, who would like to, who would like to get out if they could. And then you got these people. And what percentage of whatever town you live in, uh, the people on the street are these people that just want the adventure for a couple of years because they know at some point they can go to mom and dad and say, okay, I'm ready to join the real world. Help me out with the first couple of months rent and... Right. Let me drive your old car and I'll get started. Yeah. It's weird. It's it's very, very interesting. Berkeley's infamous People's Park. There have been widespread complaints about the modern day hobos openly shooting up, etc. Yeah, a lot of times there's, uh, you know, a lot of drinking and drugging and stuff like that, which fits in with the not wanting to live the nine to five. Oh, did I mention? So the, the Uber driver I had in New York who was from Pakistan. Oh, yeah, I did mention this on the air. Who said, yeah, I look at these people. He said, they're just lazy. They don't want to work. I thought, that's interesting. You're from another country, and you look at the people in the street and just say they're lazy and don't want to work. That That's not just a, an American, white person, white privilege, you've got it so good attitude. No. He's Pakistani driving, Uber drivers. Yeah. 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 Who, Pakistan. Who, who their first inclination is to think they're lazy and don't want to work. Councilwoman Sophie Hahn of Berkeley said, Through massive failures of our society and our way of life, homelessness is a persistent reality in California and across the United States. Yeah, the most, uh, you know, listen, the the whole, uh, the richer getting richer and it's tougher on the working man, there's a lot of truth to that. But again, what percentage of the home, homeless, Sophie, are would-be, hardworking, reasonable, non-junky people who really, really want to be responsible. Tell me that. Quit acting like it's 100%. We're going to talk to one of our favorite guests from uh, the Hoover Institution about the whole North Korea thing and what did or didn't happen yesterday, and I expect this to be a uh, a reasoned conversation, not like, not like a lot of the crap you're getting out of the mainstream media, that it's all fantastic or all awful. How would you possibly know that at this point? 
Do you like crusties or crumb bums better? As a nickname for those willingly uh, hobos. I think I like crusties. But that's a uh, crusty the clown. He leaps to mind. Confusing. Hey, hey. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.